Welcome to Beyond Books, a bi-weekly radio program and podcast produced through CHMR-FM about all the possibilities the St. John's Public Libraries have to offer. And welcome to this week's edition of Beyond Books, the St. John's Public Libraries podcast radio program. I'm one of your hosts, Hans Rollman. And I'm Leah Locke. And this is our final show before the holidays. It is. Happy, happy end of 2018. <laughs> yeah. Happy pre-holidays and end of 2018. And, uh, you know, this program will be airing um, even closer to the holidays than when we were recording it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, hopefully listeners are well into the into the seasonal feelings. And into the holiday spirit. And into the holiday reading. Oh, and the holiday reading. Well, today's episode is going to be a lot of recommendations because we're getting so close to Christmas. We have um, fewer um, programs on the go. Um, There are a couple of notable things that I would like to mention for after the Christmas holidays. We will be um, starting up again with some of our guitar classes. So there will be a beginner guitar class for people that are interested in just learning the very basics of guitar, maybe learning how to do a little... um, uh, a little song or two. Uh, so that's a four week program. And uh, you can call the AC Hunter about that and uh, sign up for that 737-3950. We also have a second guitar class happening, which will be a finger style guitar. So it's for a slightly more advanced group than your very beginner class. But it's not something that you have to have a lot of skill to do. So we're looking at, you know, sort of your post beginner, beginning intermediate guitar players. So that will also be happening at the AC Hunter Library. So you can give us a call 737-3950 to learn more about that. And the one thing that I'm really excited to talk about, and I want to talk about it today in case we don't get a chance to talk about it before the next um, airing of this ep- of this show, is Escape Quest is coming in to do an escape room at the library on Thursday, January 17th. There will be 20 minutes, minute sessions starting at 6 and ending at 8. So you can sign up for any of our five sessions that we'll have going. Um, and it's Escape Artist. So it's an opportunity to work with a group of people to break out of a room and see if you have the skills that it takes to free yourself before the time is up. It's really great. We're so thrilled that Escape Quest is doing this with us. Uh, It's a free escape room, so come and do it because it's a great taste into what Escape Quest has to offer. So you're going to escape from the library? Is that the idea? You're going to, well, it's an escape artist. So there's going to be a lot of different paintings and art around. And you're going to have to sort of break into the individual um, pieces that are there. So it's like a taster escape room, right? Um, It's not the whole library. It's going to be in our community room for now. But it'll give us a really great opportunity to see how many people are interested in this sort of a thing. And maybe further down the road, that is something we'll do. That is so exciting. Have you ever done an escape room? I love them. Yeah, me too. So much. I, I was so surprised. I, I did them uh, maybe a couple of years ago for the first time. I resisted for so long because I, I just thought the idea was silly. And I'm just so cool. I'm hooked. I'm I'm so excited to hear. And the library. Oh, there's so much potential there. That's wonderful. And you know what? They're really great. I mean, what, the one that I did, you I, I am not a particularly mathematical person. And so uh, I was really I really struggled with the math sort of questions because there are some of those. But they've got questions spanning every type of, you know, learning that there can possibly be. And it just, everybody has something to contribute to an escape room when you're there with a group. Mm-hmm. It's so fantastic. I love it. Good. 
So what we're gonna do today is we're gonna talk a little bit about, we're gonna start off with some recommendations from staff about some really great things to prepare you for the holiday season. So some books, some films, some music that we have at the library that you might find really interesting um, and to get you into the spirit. And then we'll end with, uh, Hans and I are gonna go through our favorite books that we read this year. So we're gonna try, we're gonna limit it into just you know a few of our favorite books that we've read <laughs> this year, but we're gonna see what we how far we can get with that. Um, so I think I'll start now. I have a few staff um, colleagues that sent me some of the things that they like to recommend to patrons um, just in time for the holiday season. So what I'll do is I'll share those with you and then in a few minutes we'll hear from a few different staff people about some things that they like to recommend. And then Hansen will just jump into our books. Is that that what sounds you wonderful. Do? Yes. Okay. So the first one on the docket is a movie. And actually I've never heard of this movie before and I'm kind of thinking maybe I need to put that on hold. It's called Noel. It's a beautiful Christmas story that's set in New York City on Christmas Eve and it follows several people whose lives intersect and this um, comes from one of our staff at the AC Hunter who says that this is one of her absolute favorites and she says it's not particularly well known but it stars Susan Sarandon Penelope Cruz and some other A-list actors um, and each character moves through their day and the night before Christmas we see their stories woven into an interconnected pattern that ultimately proves uh, to the special power that the holiday season casts on each of their hearts. Each story is different. Each life is full of pain or love or both, despair and passion, joy and sadness. Both sides of the Christmas sort of holiday spirit are shown in this movie. And uh, she says that Noel is a Christmas story that speaks to the truth of the holiday season. I'm always looking for great movies to watch at Christmas time. This sounds like a really good one. It does. And in fact, can I throw in a movie recommendation? Yeah, please. I guess I, I don't watch a lot of Christmas movies. I mean, I like, you know, I, I, I'll occasionally do the whole Scrooge marathon where you watch every iteration of Scrooge that's come out over the last half century. The Muppet's Christmas um, Carol is the best. Oh, yeah. The Muppet's Christmas Carol. Yeah, that, that's an important <laughs> one. I love those those old school, is it Claymation? You know, those little like Rudolph and those li little animated things. I always I was always hooked. I was fascinated by those when I was little. Um, but one movie that I will recommend, and in fact, Perhaps the only place you can get it is at the library. Ooh. And because I've been hunting for it for years and I had given up hope of finding it just because the, the distribution channels are, are so weird and you can't purchase it online anymore or download it. Um, like from iTunes, it's not available. But it is at the public library and it's called Joyeux Noel um, or Merry Christmas. And it is a dramatized uh, but relatively accurate movie version of the famous World War One Christmas truce where um, all the the warring sides you know the, the Germans and the French and the, and the British they the soldiers basically spontaneously called a truce uh, even without their officers permission and they started celebrating Christmas together on the front lines and it's an absolutely amazing um, just heartwarming very poignant story and it I mean it's an amazing story as, as a historical story, but the movie does a wonderful version of it. Um, that sounds wonderful. Yeah, so, and I was so happy when I, just randomly, I, I looked it up on the library system and discovered there is a copy at the public library. So I highly recommend uh, checking that out. It came out in 2005, and it's just a really nice movie. That's wonderful. I've, I've never heard of that. That sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's great. Thanks, Hans. I think I might have to look for that one, too. Um, okay, so we're gonna jump from movies to music. Do you like Christmas music, Hans? I love Christmas I music, love Christmas actually. Music yeah, I, I'm one of the people who actually doesn't mind walking through malls and places, and when you hear the Christmas music, just because you know it's it's only for a few months, and it I don't know, just it's 
makes me feel good. It makes me feel good too. I love it. Um, so one of our staff uh, has recommended Boney M's Christmas album classic, to classic. get brushed up for the big Christmas day. Uh, Boney M are coming here. They are. I on forgot the 20th, about that. Yeah. And actually, uh, this particular um, colleague of mine and uh, Emily, who's been on this show quite a few times, uh, we're all going together. Oh, that's wonderful. And it's going to be wonderful. So when I was growing up, I'll give you a little Leah history here. When I was growing up, um, the album that we played on our record player every Christmas was without a doubt Boney M and then it you know it transitioned into the one that was on the tape deck and then the one that became the CD that we played and so even today it is the album that probably makes me feel the most Christmassy along with um, Aaron Neville's Soulful Christmas that's another one I grew up with really fantastic um, southern kind of Christmas tunes so yeah so when I saw that this email came through just a Boney M Christmas album I was like yes I love it so much absolutely love oh, it wow. Zion's Daughter one of my favorite Christmas songs I love it so much <laughs> yeah I have a couple of go-to Christmas albums I like Lorena McKennett put out a oh, few yeah. Christmas albums uh, they always make my Christmas mix um, in one of my other incarnations I, I I host programs where I play a lot of goth industrial music and there's this label Project Records that put put out a whole series of compilations of different goth artists from around the world, but doing Christmas covers. And they're just really beautiful, ethereal um, interpretations of Christmas music. And they're really nice. So those also make my Christmas mix. Oh, that is so cool. Okay, so now let's move into some books, um, some All things right. that people think. Um, I just recently, so I have been looking for a cozy Christmas read um, since probably November 15th <laughs> and I was like I just want to read cozy Christmas books and so one uh, I, I I found a few that I wasn't really all that interested in and then I stumbled upon this book called Winter Street by Elon Hildebrand and I started reading it's a it's a um, a character study it's it's told each chapter is from a different character's perspective and um, it's all these interwoven stories about this family and and they're not a, you know you're they're, they're sort of a very contemporary family you know there's the dad and and his second wife and his children from his first marriage their son from their marriage the ex-wife and how they all fit in together into this one story but anyway it's the story of Kelly the the patriarch of the family and uh, his he, he walks upstairs to find that the Santa Claus who comes every year to the inn that they run for their Christmas party is having an affair with his wife and it's been ongoing for 12 years only at Christmas time and so we see the dissolution of their marriage and all the same time their youngest son is off fighting in Afghanistan and he's been um He's been kidnapped with uh, this Marine Corps that he's in and then all of the lives of the other three children and the ex-wife. And it is just so cozy and fabulous. I loved it. So I got to the end of it and I was like, oh, what a great Christmas read. Only to find out that there was a sequel. Only to find out that there were three other books in the series. So I spent a month reading all four of them. (laughs) That sounds like a joyful discovery. So it it was a joyful (laughs) discovery. So it's the Winter Series by Elin Hildebrand. And now I've I've seen that they've been up on display ever since. And they're just, they they don't stay very long. People keep picking them. So that's a lot of fun. And it's it's a great family to spend some Christmas time with. So that's my recommendation. Um, We have some things um, from staff. One is by Victoria Barber, a Newfoundland uh, fiction. 
Uh, hers is Christmas in the Harbor, and this comes from one of our, our staff over at the Michael Donovan Library. And she says it's a lovely story with just the right amount of romance and holiday cheer. Uh, it's local, so you can better visualize the story and better relate to the characters because it's very Newfoundland-based. Uh, Victoria Barber is very well-loved by our patrons and our libraries, right? So that's that's a great recommendation. I didn't even know about that. And then some other things that people say is, one of our staff says that the holidays are a great time to pick up a few books that are the first of different mystery series. Mm. So she's like, you should just start going into the winter months with a new series or two to chew on. Uh, and all of these are available both in you know, book form at the library, but also she says that there's some in the e-library for our snowbirds who like to fly south for the winter. So for those people that um, use our e-library, there's a lot here for you. So she talks about things like Flavia Deleuze or Alexander McCall Smith, Louise Penny, Donna Leon. Those are great authors to follow for some light mystery reading, some cozy things. But if you're in the mood for something darker, you know, some uh, maybe the Lewis trilogy, the Sean Duffy series, Cormoran Strike series, Dublin Murder Squad. She says there's a lot of really great dark um, and Nordic noir series there. But she also says that it's a great opportunity to come into the library just before Christmas and even just after Christmas should you receive a tablet for Christmas and have some of our staff help you hook up with the tremendous e-library resources that we have. So you can uh, read your books uh, online, you can read newspapers from around the world, you can do uh, listen to audiobooks as well. So there's lots of really great things so come into the library and we'll set you up with some good holiday reading online that's a wonderful idea especially like the nordic noir recommendation i find i find that's a great christmas winter recommendation just because i don't know it seems so many nordic noir uh books take place in cold uh snowy climates yeah and but yeah it's a, it's a genre i really enjoy because um, you get not only the benefit of the mystery but then also the added joy of discovering a new place, you know, different they take yeah. place in such interesting settings. So I'm, I've become quite a fan of Nordic Noir. Nordic Mysteries are incredibly popular at the library, We and we have a lot of them. So now why don't we go and hear from some of our staff? Okay, here we go. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. There's nothing like watching Bing Crosby, Rosemary Clooney, and Danny Kaye sing and dance their way through the holidays. This is my go-to movie for wrapping presents. This is Jewel Cousins, the Newfoundland and Labrador Collections Librarian. Hi, this is Jan Moffat from the Michael Donovan Library. I'm here to recommend some great books for kids to read over the holidays. They're even great to give as gifts if you're willing to buy them, but they're also here at the library. We have a whole series of books about Hilda. Your kids may have watched the Hilda TV show on Netflix. It's recently on there, and it's based on a whole series of comic books by Luke Pearson. We recently received these at the library. So there's Hilda and the Bird Paradise, Hilda in the Stone Forest, Hilda and the Midnight Giant, and they are a fantastic adventure story of a comics for kids anywhere from ages 7 to 15. They're a great adventure story for all ages. So come on down to the library and check those out for your middle grade kids. Hi, this is Christina here at Marjorie Muse Library with a couple of Christmas book recommendations. Um, the first one I have is a classic, A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. And it turns 175 this year. 
So if you have never read it before, or it has been a while since you have, this is a really great year to pick it up. Plus it's really short. <laughs> Most versions are only about hundred pages in length. For those who don't know what this is about, it is the story of Ebenezer Scrooge, a mean, cruel character. The story opens on a Christmas Eve as cold as Scrooge's own heart. That night he receives three ghostly visitors, the terrifying spirits of Christmas past, present, and yet to come. Each takes him on a journey to help reveal the true meaning of Christmas. It's a really great read that is just such a wonderful Christmassy book. Uh, so that's one that I would definitely recommend. Um, and then the second Christmassy book that I would like to recommend is one called The Afterlife of Holly Chase by Cynthia Hand. And this is a modern retelling and reimagining of the Christmas Carol story. So you can read them hand in hand. They'll go lovely together. Holly is a spoiled modern teenager. On a Christmas Eve five years ago, Holly was visited by three ghosts who showed her how selfish and spoiled she'd become. They tried to convince her to mend her ways. She didn't, and then she died. Now she's stuck working for the top secret company, Project Scrooge, as the latest ghost of Christmas past. Every year they save another miserly grouch. Every year Holly stays frozen at 17 while her family and friends go on living without her. So far, Holly's afterlife has been miserable, but this year, everything is about to change. This is a really fun, cute retelling of the classic story that puts an interesting modern spin on Dickens's original idea. So those are my two Christmas um, book recommendations for um, the holiday season this year. On December 8th, Marjorie Muse Library held a holiday story time where we learned about and celebrated three different wintertime holidays, Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, and Christmas. We thought it would be nice to bring an awareness of these holidays and their true meanings to our patrons through a fun storytime program. So if our listeners would like to have that discussion with their kids at home, I have some book recommendations here to help with that. The first is Hanukkah Haiku by Harriet Ziefrit. The format of this book will be really fun and interesting for kids um, as each time you turn a page, a candle is added to the menorah. Um, and the rhyming text tells how the whole family joins in the celebration of Hanukkah. Plus the illustrations are wonderful. So I would definitely recommend that one. Um, and the second Hanukkah book is How Do Dinosaurs Say Happy Hanukkah by Jane Yolen. Jane Yolen's dinosaur books are very popular amongst kids and therefore it is a great way to introduce an unknown topic to your child through an author whose books they already enjoy. This book does a great job of conveying the traditions of Hanukkah to children through fun pictures and rhyming text. Uh, for Kwanzaa, I would recommend My First Kwanzaa by Karen Katz. This book has really bright and bold illustrations which are really attractive to kids. And each page of the story explains a different part of Kwanzaa celebrations and also introduces kids and even their parents to traditional words used during Kwanzaa and their meanings. And it's quite fun to try and pronounce those words, <laughs> but it's also a really nice element to introduce uh, to your kids. Um, it is a little on the long side, so parents may want to judge according to their child's attention span, but it is a really great introduction to the Kwanzaa um, culture celebration. And last but not least, we have Christmas. 
And the story that we would recommend is This Is The Stable by Cynthia Cotton. This is a great building story where each page introduces a new element to go along with the elements from previous pages. It tells the nativity story of the birth of Christ beginning with the stable, dusty and brown, through rhyming text and really beautiful pictures. So Merry Christmas from Marjorie Muse. Hi, this is Julia at Marjorie Muse Library, and today we're going to be talking a little bit about some of my favorite Christmas wreaths. Um, my very favorite one was one that Leah had pulled off our shelving cart and was going to take home, but I saw it on the counter and I said, that's one of my favorites. And it's called You Can Do It Sam by Amy Hest. Uh, this little book is so cute. The illustrations are adorable. The, it's a, a little bear and his mom. They make Christmas goodies and they put them in red bags and they take them around to their neighbors and they drop them off early in the morning before anybody gets up and they ride around in their little green truck. It's the cutest book ever. So if you get a chance to read it, that would be one that I would put in my Christmas to read list. Another one that I did in story time today is Walking in a Winter Wonderland um, as sung by Peggy Lee, illustrated by Tim Hopgood. And so it's based on the song. So what we did today, the illustrations are beautiful. And um, what we did today is we sang the book. And the kids were really intrigued by the idea that you could sing a book. And there are several uh, picture books that are available in this format that are actually just the lyrics of the song um, set in and amongst beautiful illustrations. And so if you are of a musical bent and you love classic Christmas music, Walking in a Winter Wonderland would be another one that you could maybe put on your Christmas to read list. And the last one I'm going to talk about, well, one of the last ones I'm going to talk about today because I have a lot, um, is Dashing Through the Snow, which is really similar. However, it is a, a Canadian Jingle Bells. So it is by Helene Becker and Werner Zimmerman. And the illustrations are hilarious, and the lyrics are too hilarious. So, for example, dashing through the snow on a rusty old skidoo, through the bush we go, dodging caribou. Now that got a big laugh at story time today. And it continues on in the same vein, and it's similar to another book by the same author uh, called A Porcupine in a Pine Tree. So that one is really funny. And the last one I wanted to talk about is called Bella's Tree. And this is a juvenile book. Um, uh, it's about a little girl and her grandmother. And her grandmother's a very busy woman. And um, the little girl is determined to uh, be grown up and get the Christmas tree for them this year because apparently grandma has too much on her plate and can't do it and decided that, you know, there's just too many other things to do. So the little girl decides she's going to go and get Christmas tree and... Um, but she's not exactly sure what she's looking for. So she first she goes out and she finds a tree. I believe she gets an alder and she brings an alder back. And her grandmother is like, no, that's not exactly a Christmas tree, but we'll decorate it anyway because she's a very frugal and um, conscientious woman and decides that she wants to decorate the tree. So she decorates the alder tree. And eventually the little girl finally does find the right Christmas tree, but by that time they've run out of decorations and there's no room left in the house because they have all these different trees. Um, I won't tell you the end because it has a really cool ending. Um, and that one is also by a Newfoundland author. Um, and it's a wonderful, a wonderful story. And it reminds me of my stories my 
husband and I tell our children about their grandmother who is very particular about her Christmas tree. So that's all I got to tell you today, and I wish everybody a Merry Christmas and a Happy Holidays. Did you know the Newfoundland and Labrador Public Library System features 94 libraries located in all parts of the island and Labrador, including three locations in St. John's? To find your local library and learn about all the great programming and events happening near you, go to nlpl.ca or call the Provincial Resource Division Reference Desk at 737-3950. The library system is a public service for Newfoundland and Labrador. Explore the possibilities. And we're back. Okay, before we clue up the program, we're going to give a few recommendations of our own from the many books we've read over the past year. Both Leah and myself are voracious readers. And so I, I perused my, my list of reads over the year. I'm going to start off with a set, I suppose. So one of the news stories, I guess, of the year has been the, the rise of right-wing populism, fascism, etc., around the world. And it's become a whole book industry unto itself, people writing about this. And so I really immersed myself in a lot of these readings. Some 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 good picks include uh, Stephen Levitsky and Daniel Zieblatt's um, book, How Democracies Die. This is kind of a grim topic for Christmas, but, you know, <laughs> great. If you have a winter break, I mean, it's a good time to kind of, you know, really get into some of these books. Um, How Democracies Die, that's a political science kind of perspective on uh, what has led to the erosion of democracy and also examples of countries that have managed to avoid that. Um, I read Madeleine Albright's Fascism A Warning, which is also kind of an interesting historical survey. But my all-time, my favorite, I think, of the year, my, my political, I guess, book of the year that I would pick would be Chantal Mouffe's uh, For a Left Populism. And she kind of takes a very different perspective. Uh, she she argues that, that the left ought to play the populist game as well and makes a really interesting argument that way. So those are a few, uh, I guess, nonfiction picks. But then I also, there's also been a really interesting um, uh, swath of uh, authors dealing with, I guess, fascism in fiction. And those make some, for some really interesting reads as well. So an example, um, Victor Delarbol. Uh, this is kind of a, I guess, also bordering the mystery genre. So he wrote a really interesting uh, crime mystery called A Million Drops, but um, it's set in the aftermath of the Spanish Civil War and, and the rise of the fascist dictatorship there. So that's a really interesting kind of mystery. Um, Anna Segers, she was a German uh, writer who wrote in the lead up to World War II. Um, she wrote a really fascinating book called The Seventh Cross, which really raises questions about you know people's uh, complicity in, in, the, in the rise of, of the Nazis in concentration camps. And um, it was published in 1946, right after the war, but has only recently been translated into English. So that's really interesting. And then another really interesting um, fictional take is uh, Eric Vuillard. Um, he was a French writer who wrote this book called Order of the Day about the Anschluss, which was the uh, Austrian annexation by Nazi Germany. And so uh, that also just came out in English. So those are some, some fictional takes on, I guess, a, a more serious political topic. Wow. Okay. Um, so I'm going to just do one book at a time. I didn't really put them together in a category. So the first one I'm going to talk about is one I probably spoke about on this podcast back in February when I read it, but it's called Long Way Down by Jason Reynolds. It was a National Book Award finalist, and it's a very popular YA book that came out uh, last year. And it's about um, a young boy whose brother has just died via gang violence. And so he wants to, um, he wants to ensure that 
everything is taken care of, including taking care of the person that killed his brother. So he needs to go on and, and seek revenge for his brother's death. And as he gets into the elevator and he descends the seven floors from his apartment to the main floor each time he gets to a new floor he runs into somebody from his past that has died by gun violence somebody new gets on the elevator and it's all it's actually told in um it's it's a very poetic book it's written in stanza form um it's it's tremendous It's, it's i think like if i were still a teacher i would undoubtedly teach this book in my English classes a hundred percent it's really fabulous it doesn't hide from any of the um, the seriousness and the devastation of these realities but it also is hopeful uh, and I, I just I, I love it. I love everything Jason Reynolds does I have yet to read something by him that I don't love so that is his YA long way down I think everybody should check that one out Okay. I remember you doing a more in-depth uh, review of that there several weeks ago, and Such it sounded really exciting, yeah. Such a good book. Yeah, I read a lot of books. I really like reading books in translation. Uh, and so two more, I guess, sets uh, that I'll, I'll throw in there. I read a bunch of books. I, I don't know how I, I kind of got so grim in my reading this year, but I read a bunch <laughs> of books about the Rwandan genocide. Um, and But there are some really moving, amazing books. And one author that I will single out is uh, a Rwandan author named Scholastique Mukasonga. And she wrote um, several books in French. There's a particular, there's a trilogy of books that she wrote. So she grew up uh, Tutsi in you know Hutu-dominated Rwanda and survived the genocide there. And she wrote a trilogy of books that's absolutely amazing. Uh, the first one is called Cockroaches, and it's about her youth growing up uh, during the genocide. Uh, then she wrote another one called Our Lady of the Nile, which is more of a novel, but it's based on her experiences at a French missionary school, uh, also uh, in, in Rwanda. Um, and then her, the third book that she's been acclaimed for in, in France, and it is coming out in English uh, later this month, so I'm quite excited. It's called The Barefoot Woman, and it's the story of her mother, who tragically died during the genocide. But those books are absolutely amazing. Scholastique Mukasanga. Um, and then another author I'll throw out is Gael Faye, who is a, uh, he's from uh, Rwanda as well, but he uh, moved to, to France, became a hip hop artist in France, and then went from hip hop to writing uh, to being a novelist and, and wrote an absolutely beautiful moving book called Small Country, which was also based on his experience growing up in Rwanda and Burundi during the genocide. And it's absolutely, you know, it's, it's from the perspective of, of a young child, and he does an amazing job of just re enlivening you know uh the the narrative through his young child's eyes and it's an absolutely poignant uh, book i'm going to make a recommendation for you um based on that particular reading so there is a book called war brothers which was written by sharon mckay who's from newfoundland um but this is i'm actually going to talk about the graphic novel because i've never read the novel but it was adapted into graphic novel uh, and illustrated by daniel la france and it is about uh, jacob a 14 year old you who was sent away to a boys' school, and um, the sh- in the shadow of the night, they're abducted, they're marched into the jungle, and then they become child soldiers. And it's about that journey. I think that you would appreciate that book, but also the graphic novel format, I think you would really like. I remember reading it. It's been now probably six years, maybe seven, that since I read it, um, but really quite a a very heavy book, but um, but really fabulous, and uh, for a younger audience as well. So it's really an accessible book. Wow, thank you. I've yeah. never heard of it. I will look for it. <laughs> 
Um, okay, so I'm going to lighten the mood a little bit and talk about a book that I read actually last week. So I was looking a, a couple of years ago, I, I read a book called Landline by Rainbow Rowell, who is one of my favorite um, YA authors. And she wrote this book. It was one of her adult books. And it was sort of, um, it's a contemporary take of It's a Wonderful Life. But what it is, is about this woman and she's she's a workaholic and she's second guessing the nature of her relationship and her family life. And uh, she ends up answering the phone and she's brought back into the past and she gets to relive some things and reevaluate some of her choices. And it was such a satisfying pre-Christmas read that I have for the last three years been looking for a book just like it. And I haven't been able to find one. But this last week I read a book which is a very popular book right now. It was released this year and it's called The Dinner List by Rebecca Searle. And it is exactly the book that I was looking for to as a companion piece to this Rainbow Rail book I didn't even know about it so it's a contemplative novel about love and relationships and how they evolve together and how romance sort of fits into that and it's also an examination of friendship and family so it's about this girl and uh, she's celebrating her 30th birthday and around the dinner table is everybody she's ever wanted to have dinner with dead or alive so Audrey Hepburn is there, her father who's passed away is there who she had no relationship with, her ex who she had been in a decades long relationship is there, her best friend is there, a professor she had in college is there, and they're all sort of sitting together and she's stuck. And she, I, I think she's, it doesn't ever say explicitly whether it's a dream, whether it's real, you, you're led to believe that it's all real and that it's sort of happening in this one moment. And she gets advice from all of these people on how to pursue the life that she deserves really is what it ends up because she's sort of living in, she's living with a lot of baggage. And so she, you go and you unpack the baggage. It's very philosophical. Um, I absolutely love this book. It jumps from the present moment sitting around the table and then it goes back into in time and it, and it looks at uh, this the events that have shaped sort of who she is and how the relationship with this um, past boyfriend really dictates and shapes the life and who she is as a person it is fabulous and, and that's called the dinner list but, yeah, yeah and I, I don't even know if I could pick five people like who those people would be I think that if I had that opportunity I'd say just sit me at the table with my grandmother and I'd be happy. But I, it was I, it was so great. I just, I really, really loved it. And I highly recommend it. It's a great pre-Christmas read. But I will say this. When I closed the book, I just couldn't put it down. And by the time I finally closed it, I was sniffling. And I had tears streaming down my face. And in the history of my reading, there's only ever been three other books that have made me cry. And so my husband was sitting next to me. And he was shocked. He's like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I will be. I, I'll be okay. But just don't talk to me for a few minutes. I just have to just, I have to deal with this book. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> so it was really, really great, and I highly recommend it. Wow. Okay. I'll throw in another set of books here. Um, my uh, my Sri Lankan Civil War reading, um, but these are these are novels, and they're really good novels. So of course, the first one I raved about it. I was trying to remember, did it come out in 2017 or 2018? And it actually came out on January 2nd, 2018, according to Wikipedia. But anyway, um, Sharon Bala, the book, The Boat People, mm -hmm. um, local writer. 
and it's it was an absolutely phenomenal read. I was uh, I was so so impressed. Um, and so it's about it's loosely based on actual events uh, when a boatload of Sri Lankan uh, of Tamil refugees from the Sri Lankan Civil War arrived in Vancouver, and in the boat people uh Sharon Bala explores this and it's told from the perspective of the refugees as well as the uh immigration officers who um well there there's there's the immigration officers who do the hearings and then there's the lawyers supporting the refugees and so it's told from all of their different perspectives and it's just a fascinating exploration uh psychological exploration of all these characters and their backgrounds and what shapes their perspectives and then how they engage with each other tr- as they try to you know the refugees are seeking refuge in Canada and then the immigration officers coming from different perspectives and feeling different political pressures. Anyway, it's a beautifully told book. It's absolutely fantastic. And on the same theme, uh, I, I stumbled into uh, a similar kind of book by Roma Tiern, who's also um, of, of Sri Lankan origin. And she wrote, a, she's based in the UK and she wrote a book called Brixton Beach a few years ago, which just got republished this year. And it's a very kind of similar story of a young girl growing up. It's based on her own life loosely, but it's, yeah, a young girl growing up in Sri Lanka during the civil war. And she eventually uh, fl- fled and sought refuge in the UK. And unlike uh, the Boat People is a lot about the the challenge of navigating the immigration uh, system and refugee system. The Boat People is quite critical of Canada's immigration system, uh, but in Roma Tiern's Brixton Beach, that's not really that's kind of glossed over. She manages to become a refugee. Doesn't really explain how, but she winds up in the UK. But then it's about the struggle of trying to adapt to UK life and going from being in the middle of a civil war in Sri Lanka to suddenly being in an average school in the UK, and that of course you know is is a creates a lot of psychological challenges for her to overcome as well and then to adapt to her new life. So that's a really interesting alternate take on on this experience. And The Boat People is one of our 2019 Newfoundland reads. Yes. So everybody, make sure you read that one and then vote for it if you think that it is the book most deserving to win. Um, okay, so the I guess the last book that I'll talk about um, is a, a children's book. It's a juvenile fiction book called The Lotteries More or Less by Emma Donahue. And it is the follow-up to the widely successful The Lotteries Plus One. So a little bit of a background. The Lotteries are a family, two moms, two dads, same-sex couples, and they have a boatload of children. So they have, um, I think it's six, seven children. There's a lot of them. And uh, what happens is one day uh, they find a lottery ticket. When they're at the hospital during the birth of their first child, they find a lottery ticket, uh, discarded, and then they find out that they've won an absurd amount of millions. And they go and they buy uh, a home and um, they... They have their own children, they take in other children, they adopt children, and they have, it's a whole wonderland, a great place to grow up. And so in Lotteries Plus One, it's about Sumac Lottery. She's one of the younger children. She's the third youngest. And she um, is not dealing well with her popcorn. That's her, one of her dad is popcorn. Popcorn Papa Dumb. Uh, and uh, Popcorn has gone to bring home his father who is suffering from, who's 
beginning to suffer from dementia. And so he can't take care of himself anymore. So it's about Sumac having to deal with this change to her regular routine, which is very chaotic anyway, but wonderful. So The Lottery's More or Less is about Sumac again, and she is the keeper of her family's traditions. And so she's preparing for Christmas and for solstice and all of these wonderful winter traditions. But Papa Dum, one of her dads, and her favorite older brother, they have gone to India, where her Papa Dum is from, and uh, they're building homes in India. And they're on their way home for Christmas, and they can't come in because there's been a huge winter ice and snowstorm in Toronto where they live so nobody can get in or out so all of Sumac's traditions are going awry there is a couch surfer who's living with them right now from Brazil and it's causing a little bit of tension and she has to decide you know what how do we keep tradition going and what's most important and all of her seasonal plans go awry and she just she just can't handle it anymore so the whole story is how does sumac hang on to the spirit of the season and if nothing happens the way she's used to it happening and can new traditions be built and it's it's actually a really hopeful and uplifting and great pre-christmas story i forgot about that one so that's a good one to read for kids um just before christmas Awesome. Okay, I have one final set of books I'll throw in. Um, and this is what I, I kind of labeled my fun reads. So a, a bit lighter than the other Ooh. ones I've listed. The, the first one, um, I immersed myself in the fiction of Robert Harris this year. Um, I, years and years ago, I read his famous book, Fatherland, which is a fictitious take on imagine if the Nazis didn't lose World War Two and they yeah. and you know and then it's like America and then a Nazi Europe um, I forget like 40 50 years down the road and anyway so that was a really interesting read and uh, but he's written a bunch published a bunch of books in the interim um, so I read his Cicero trilogy which is based on uh, the events of Julius Caesar and Cicero and that period in ancient Rome I love historical novels and this is what Robert Harris does really well so that was a great trilogy and I'm just embarking on reading uh, his book An Officer and a Spy which is based on the uh, the also the historical the Dreyfus affair in France where a, a uh, French officer was a Jewish French officer was erroneously accused of being a, a spy and it was a very famous historical case so that that looks to be really good so yeah so Robert Harris I really enjoyed another book I just finished this was a really whimsical this might be a good cozy Christmas read it was by a Japanese writer Takashi Hiraide um, it actually came out a few years ago it's called The Guest Cat and it's just this lovely little piece. A, a lot of novels in Japan are serialized in newspapers, and that's how they have their first um, iteration. And then th these serial um, installments get put together in a book. And so that's essentially what this is. Um, it's just the author is a struggling writer, and him and his wife, uh, this cat, stray cat, kind of wanders into their home. And it's just chapter after chapter about them falling in love with this cat and the impact it has on their life. And it's just a really, it's, it's just lovely, very short, quick read, but it's, it's just a beautiful book. So that was a really fun, uh, nice, heartwarming book. And then I'm currently reading, just about almost finished, um, this really interesting uh, book by two Russian authors, Marina and Sergei Dyachenko. It's called Vita Nostra. And it's kind of a dark fantasy. It's being pitched as a dark version of Harry Potter. And that's kind of kind of like what it is. This uh, young girl who's about finished, who's just finishing high school, planning to go to university. She's kind of almost um, forcibly sent to basically this uh, 
dark Russian version of Hogwarts um, and with these other children. And they don't really know, but they don't really know what they're being taught, uh, trained for. Uh, They don't really know, is this school good or bad? Are their teachers good or bad? And to be honest, I'm over halfway through and I still don't know. It's uh, the author really manages the authors. um, It's a two person team. They really manage to maintain the suspense throughout this book. So I've been really enjoying it. Uh, It's a really interesting, unique take, I guess, on the, the dark quasi-YA um, fantasy field. So it's Vita Nostra by Marina and Sergei Dyatchenko. I'm just looking it up right now because I've not uh, read it. And so it's actually... Uh, have you read The Magicians by Lev Grossman? No, I have not. So it, I guess... So I'm, I'm on the HarperCollins website right now and it's saying that this is sort of a cross between The Magicians and The Historian, those two books. And it is the anti-Harry Potter you've been waiting for. <laughs> is what okay. I what I'm getting. So <laughs> I, I anticipate that this is slightly more adult if it's if it's supposed to be like the magician which is it's sort of in that vein of the the boarding school magical mm-hmm. realism stuff but for adults. So yeah, no, cool. Very cool. Yeah, I wasn't really I wasn't waiting for the anti-Harry Potter, but I'm glad I stumbled upon it. Yeah, I wasn't waiting for it either, but I, actually I wonder how many people are waiting for the anti-Harry Potter. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, it's a good book either way. That's it. Okay, well, I hope you've enjoyed. If you're just stumbling into this podcast uh, over the winter break, uh, do check out. There's tons of past uh, editions if you want to hear some more recommendations and learn some more about the library because there's some really interesting episodes. You can find them all on the library website and nlpl.ca yeah yeah. Um, as well as soundcloud and itunes and all the other uh, good places you go to for podcasts and we'll be back in the new year we will have a wonderful holiday everybody and happy new year to you all right happy new year hans happy new year too (laughs) and happy reading happy reading you've been listening to beyond books the podcast that looks at what's happening at the saint john's public libraries with your hosts, Leah Locke and Hans Rollman. We'll be back again in about two weeks. Until then, make sure you get out and enjoy your public libraries. Explore the possibilities. <laughs>